In this episode, we discuss The Spirit, exactly the film Will Eisner would have made if Will Eisner was Frank Miller. Hey everyone, welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Yeah. Woo! It's the podcast where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. And boy did we ever and will we ever. Mm-hmm. But first off, I'm glad to see you guys. Yeah, it's been a little while, Glad right? to see you too. Yeah. So I went to Costa Rica and before that, Elliot went to Uruguay. When are you going to have your adventures south of the border, Stuart? I don't know. They don't, they don't like me down there. Really. <laughs> what did you do? I don't want to go into it. It has something to do with marsupials. Hmm. Okay. Usually those are found in Australia. I know. That's. <laughs> did you? I'm not allowed back to Australia. Did you import a, an animal into a country where the ecosystem couldn't couldn't handle it, like the end of uh, The Simpsons, where the? Or do you just have sex with a koala? I'm not at liberty to discuss my <laughs> situation with marsupials. But for that reason, I'm not uh, allowed to go south of the border anymore. I see. Yeah. By south Australia. of the border. By south of the border means. He doesn't go down on women, ladies. I don't know. Wow, we already are swimming in the gutter. <laughs> yeah, we I are. Didn't even do it. We are face first. I know. I know. I'm just. I'm well, looking. At, like, I'm looking at you as to if to say, can you believe this? I know. Not it's to Dan. not to blame it's you. Dan's it's so like tired. the movie The Spirit. It starts out in the sewer. Yeah, and then it does it. I don't remember. Yeah, sure. I thought it began fight. in a desert. No, well, that, that was the production logo uh, for okay. Odd Lot Pictures. The first scene of note is uh, the fight. Uh, between the spirit. But that's not in the sewer. That's in like a mud flat somewhere. But it's clearly, each other, it's clearly meant to toilets. be like... Yeah, they're, they're hitting not, each other with toilets. It's not subterranean, though. There's buildings behind them. I'm saying that... It's I hard think to tell, that though, because it's all clearly shot on like a soundstage. Okay. Yeah, well, it's a shot in front of a green screen, like almost the entire film. I think that Gabriel Macht was fighting in raw sewage. He, okay. He personally requested it <laughs> for verisimilitude. So, yeah. So what anyway, movie did we watch? We watched The Spirit. Frank Miller's Will Eisner's The Spirit. <laughs> it's kind of like this. The the possessive on the title is like uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or Bram Stoker's Dracula, where they meant it to to say, I guess is it because is this did they call this movie Will Eisner's The Spirit or is it just The Spirit? Uh, I, they called it The Spirit, but because I remember seeing Will Eisner's The Spirit in earlier like press releases about it, and it was the same way that like. It's supposed to mean this is the mo- this is the closest adaptation you've ever seen of this story. Mm-hmm. But what it really means is like, listen, we're gonna play all sorts of yeah. fast and loose and crazy with this story. Yeah, Tom think, Waits is gonna be Renfield. Uh, yeah, to me, to me, it sounds <laughs> that was like, one of the best things in that movie. <laughs> well, that's true. To me, it's it's like uh, Frank Miller is playing keep away with the movie, and he's like, yep, yep, it's Will Eisner's movie. It's his fault. Mm-hmm. There's like it's it's maybe the worst. Uh, adaptation of Will Eisner's vision that I can imagine, since yeah, no, it's nothing like his style or tone or characters. <laughs> You're forgetting the short-lived uh, A Contract with God <laughs> 1970s cartoon show. <laughs> yeah, the Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> in which Jewish characters living in a tenement uh, had had adventures, yeah. That, that joke was for approximately two people in the audience, I'm pretty sure. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, so or the, or the, uh, really the Broadway good. musical version of Life on Another Planet. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this movie is really good. It, uh, 
<laughs> it was uh it had a dude who uh you know the spirit who was like a crime fighting superhero type mm-hmm. who is uh mirrored by uh-huh. his bad guy the octopus who because the uh enemy of any fedora bedecked crime fighter is an octopus yep and he's exactly like him it, only slightly different only completely different in every way yeah, he had really good costumes. No. <laughs> well, should we, like should we bother going over the plot of this movie? Or well, I would, I would appreciate it, Elliot, just so I could see how you might summarize it, uh, because I didn't understand most okay. of it. Okay, well, we're in Central City, sure. a city made out of CGI, which is supposed to be kind of film noir-ish, mm-hmm. except it's... And styrofoam blocks, I think. It, There's a lot of styrofoam blocks. Yeah, it, lo- it looks... Every inch of it is super fake and artificial. Uh, and we're introduced to the spirit, a man in a suit and a fedora and a mask who uh, works with the police department and solves crimes and seems to be Wolverine-ish in that he can take any amount of damage and then he comes back from it. And his character was adapted from the popular American spirit cigarettes. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, he was originally a Native American. He doesn't American. actually seem to feel any pain either, or am I... Uh, it's, it depends on the – some parts of the movie he does and some he doesn't. Like he, sometimes he shrugs it off and other times he's like, ah, ah, Like when ah. he gets hit in the crotch by a novelty oversized wrench. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. or when a sword goes through his chest. Oh, yeah, he didn't like that. No, but anyway, he's got a mat on, as the kids would say. That's really – you'd, you'd have to be really strong to shove that giant sword because that was like a machete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it wasn't like a fucking – like a fencing Yeah, there was no – No, no, it was, a very, it was yeah. enormous. Well, but it I mean – It was like a chopping sword, and she shoved it all the way through a human body. And yeah. Like she's not a large woman. No. And nor did she get any, like... She had no she, leverage. No momentum or yeah. anything. She just, like, pushed it up there. She's like fucking Vicky from uh, A Small Wonder, you know? Vicky was the robot, right? I did, don't know. Did Vicky and Small Wonder often shove swords through men's no, chests? No, but she'd be, like, standing there and, like, pick up a couch with no visible leverage, and it just looks so ridiculous. Like, she would tip over, even if she's a robot. <laughs> it's not like her feet are really wide or something. I think you need to, I think you need to write a letter about this and well, send it through is, a time portal. You need to take into account that she's very heavy as a robot. Oh, okay. Yeah, Metal. well, she's she's made out of steel mm-hmm. and also fat, so, you know, <laughs> she's not actually. She, uh, she was the normal size for a little girl. Uh, anyway, so the spirit is the protector of Central City, which involves running around on rooftops and occasionally beating up criminals. Uh, he ha- seems to, he has a, a somewhat romantic relationship with uh, the daughter of the police chief, but also falls in love with every other woman that he meets. And he's on the trail of a crime boss called the Octopus, played by Samuel Jackson in the widest possible way. Uh, like the uh, like, it like the reason they had to shoot it in a CGI soundstage is so that he could not chew the scenery. Literally, yeah, there was no scenery for him to eat. That's why they had to do it that way. Or sombrero the first time. But he he pops up. Him. This here's the thing: the spirit is based on a comic book by Will Eisner, who is uh, one of the founding fathers of American comic books. Which was about this, like, very this police detective who gets beat up a lot. He's called the Spirit. He gets beat up a lot. He f- solves mysteries, but he's kind of a he's like a smart guy who also bumbles. And yeah. uh, he, it's more fun than anything else. And it's he would. T- well, it's not really big on like continuity. I mean, most of the stories. Well, there's a certain amount. There's a lot of standalone stories, but yeah. Well, I, I certainly I feel like towards the later uh, adventures, like Will Eisner was more interested. In testing out his theories about like what comics could be yeah. and layout, than telling like uh, like a story that centered around the spirit specifically. That's the thing. He they his 
it started out as like a crime comic and then became just Will Eisner experimenting with comics as much as he could. But which was great. Which was great. They were always entertaining. But like the tone of them was always fairly light for the yeah. most part. Not a lot of angst. Not a lot of angst. And also the octopus, his villain, was a shadowy crime boss. All you ever saw of him was his gloves. You never saw his face. So, of course, Frank Miller recognizes this by having Samuel L. Jackson very loudly and openly play the character, first with a sombrero on his head. Later on, he dre- he's dressed like a samurai. Later, he's dressed like a Nazi for no reason. Then he's got a huge fur coat and, like, a fur hat on. It's, it's, it feels like Frank Miller was waiting for Will Eisner to die so that he could just do whatever he wanted with this movie. <laughs> yeah. I'd like the octopus if he was more of a clothes horse. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, at, time, at times, it makes me feel like Frank Miller was, oh, like, over the years, he'd gotten really tired of people being like, Dark Knight's okay, but the spirit, now that's good comics. <laughs> and he's, like, secretly stewing, like, fuck that Will Eisner guy. Yeah. He doesn't deserve all this credit. And then finally, when he gets the chance, he's like, I'm going to make this fucking movie. And he makes it as shitty as possible so that everybody's like, the spirit? Oh, yeah, that's that shitty movie that nobody likes. Rather than the the comic that yeah. we well, also, and and let's not forget also there's the character Sand Serif, the femme fatale played by Eva Mendez, who was the spirit's childhood girlfriend, and then uh, through there was some misfortune she left Central City and became the world's greatest jewel thief, and she's somehow mixed up in shenanigans with the octopus. Oh yeah, and Scarlett Johansson as some sort of scientist slash henchman she's like a girl friday to uh, the octopus yeah Mm -hmm. who is the head of an international drug organization yet has no henchman aside from scarlett johansson and an army of cloned buffoons yeah and you see very much of a lisping clones yeah it's really it's weird because it's like it's the same way that lex Luthor in the superman movies is like is a criminal genius but he surrounds himself with bumbling idiots Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't really make sense but anyway uh this movie is this is a crackerjack film uh, deftly told. In that you might find it in a box of Cracker Jacks. No! The, mo- the movie is, is an almost incoherent mess. Uh, yeah. Like, it, the pacing is terrible. You kind of, the, it, by the time when the movie was over, I was saying to Dan and Stuart, it felt like we had just seen the 10 minute mini movie at the beginning of like the spirit, the movie. And then the real movie was going to start. Like, this was the the adventure that Bond would go on that didn't really make a lot of sense and was just a lot of stunts before the title sequence, before the real movie. But no, it was the whole movie. Yeah, it was, it was really bad. And, uh, and Frank Miller has this kind of obsession with Eva Mendes's butt. Well, that... he has an obsession with women. I mean, like, like he, this, it's not surprising that the spirit character would fall in love with every woman he sees as the film is full of, like, I, obviously, like, a Hollywood movie is going to have pretty women in it, but, like, Literally, he seems to go out of his way to make as many women in as little clothes as possible throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's like the movie is trying to have, be tongue-in-cheek and never gets there, you know. Well, to be tongue-in-cheek, you have to have some sort of, like, rational, logical basis uh, and then, you know, like, skew off to the side. Whereas this movie, like, the the visual style matched the content in that the fact that it was all shot on a soundstage meant that individual uh, pictures were very pretty, but nothing had any relation uh, to anything else uh, spatially. And likewise, nothing in the plot felt like it had any relation to anything else. Now, 
Speaking of plot and stuff, was it okay? The octopus guy. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong. He's in addition to being a super villain and like a master drug lord. Oh, and also uh, he he he's uh, like a super scientist, right? Apparently, in the, in this, and yeah. also like the spirit, the octopus can be injured a hundred a dozen times over, and it can't yeah, be killed. He's, he's a Looney Tunes character, basically. Yeah. Um, and he, but he's like a super genius scientist with like genetic serums and shit. Yeah. And he injects the spirit with some kind of a serum, and then himself that makes them, you know, pretty invulnerable. That's the backstory. But then later on, he finds out, hey, wait a minute, if one of us drinks the blood of Hercules, Heracles, Heracles, sure, if one of us drinks the blood of the Greek hero, uh, who apparently in this world is an actual, <laughs> that's an the actual other thing. Person. That's the other thing is there's is the movie is going along in its way, and then it suddenly becomes they're talking to the spirit about their plan. They go, we want to be immortal like the gods. Luckily, the gods had sex with human women and created half-breed heroes. We found the blood of Heracles, and it's like suddenly the movie has taken this left turn to a universe where Zeus is real and the yeah. Greek pantheon actually exists. And you want you want the spirit to be like, wait a minute, hold on, stop right there. Okay, you're a criminal, I get it, let's hold on. So you're saying that all this time people have been worshipping Jesus or you know, the or the Muslim god or the Jewish god or the Hindu gods, but really it was the Greek pantheon that was real and exists and we should be worshipping. But know? or even like, okay, if these guys existed, what does that mean about other gods? Is it possible that other gods are like could Thor be flying That's around? That's possible like, too. Is the Twilight of the Gods upon us? Is Ragnarok here? Who knows? <laughs> he doesn't ask these questions. Yeah. Instead he just goes along what about, and he's like, What about Marduk? Hey, what, what about you know uh, Tiamat, where, where are they? Yeah, where are they? Like, hidden in the bowels of the earth? Where's Baal? Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, uh, that that's really weird. And they don't really address, um, you know, how he figured out that, you know what, um, the only thing that my serum needs to be 100% complete is for me to drink some Hercules blood, <laughs> and then I'll be immortal. And if anyone else drinks Hercules blood, they'll fucking explode or something, or melt. Or yeah, something all, like, like that. Somehow he knows what the drug interaction is. Like, if his serum had, like, a little warning label, it'd be like, uh, add to, if you add this to Hercules blood, maybe you're going to become immortal. Yeah, it's it's Everyone. totally it's totally batshit. It doesn't make any sense at all. But, it, but, like, a certain kind of movie can pull off that kind of craziness, and this does not. And then... And then, in addition to that, not only not only is there this Hercules blood floating around, but the thing that ends up saving the spirit in the end is the Golden Fleece uh, that Jason and his Argonauts were seeking. Yeah, kind of weird. <laughs> weird, weird, weird choices. It's it's what I it's I just I wish I could have been working with Frank as Frank Miller's assistant through all of this just to see his thought process. Yeah, where it's like, okay, I read all the spirit stories. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. Hercules blood, golden fleece. Yes. Okay. Uh, giant gun battle where he's shooting at helicopters. Yes. Uh, okay. The spirit of death is constantly trying to convince the spirit to come with her. Perfect. Okay. Okay. You know. Like an underwater makeout scene. Yeah. Yeah, with like a laser show. I'm thinking the spirit climbs out of the ocean, and there's a close-up of a toy dinosaur, and we hear a roar, and then we never go back to that ever again. <laughs> Yeah, that was strange. I'm thinking that the octopus is vain, so he's always going to want to put on different outfits. A lot of costumes, right? A lot of costumes in the sewers. Like, but also love that he has his sewer headquarters, which has a dojo room and a Nazi room. Like, it's it's like a themed 
like one of those, th- those themed hotels that couples go to when Absolutely. they're trying to the reignite their marriage. Yeah, like, I, I didn't decide, I didn't know what kind of super villain <laughs> I wanted to be, so I just got, I just had the architects put in one of. And everything. that kind of goofiness could work if the movie was telling a halfway coherent story or was fun in and any I, way. I would have liked the the Nazi scene if they had cut to shots of them like preparing, like putting on their little Nazi costumes, <laughs> like okay, I'm going to say this and then you do this, okay? And then wheel out the kitty that we're going to because it was very elaborately choreographed. Yeah, yeah, like I would have much preferred that like that'd have been awesome and i also like the listener at home is is hearing the convoluted um you know mcguffin to the story and thinking what a vase full of hercules's blood yeah. you're saying yeah that remains fluid it's like, <laughs> it remained fluid for what three thousand years when I, was, I when know, was heracles yeah, around uh, all this no real date i mean <laughs> i guess i could call a zeus what i love world? is I mean, that it's a vase that was inside of a crate and i have to assume and the crate was always on its side so it's like you're telling me the blood didn't just slosh right out of that vase? Like, I hope yeah, there was a, a stopper in the top of it or yeah, something like that. Yeah, like made out of fucking beeswax and human hair or something? <laughs> like, what? What did they use back in the olden days? <laughs> before the olden days. Yeah, like way before. It's the golden age of Greece. Absolutely. It's the age of heroes before ancient Greece. Yeah, it's like pre-Troy. Yeah. But you'd think that all this, like, uh, information would be, like, sort of parceled out by the movie and... Uh, Over the length of its running uh, time. Instead, there was a scene in which I was, like, I, I turned to Elliot and I was <laughs> saying, has this scene been going on for 18 minutes? It really feels like this scene's been going on for 18 minutes. And it was just Samuel L. Jackson and Scarlett Johansson explaining precisely <laughs> this. And at the end of it, I still couldn't understand what was supposed to be happening. Yeah. yeah, Scarlett Johansson looked really bored in that scene. She looked bored throughout she could have been most of the movie. This is this is if you want to see, it's the same way that Star Wars Episode One is like a collection of actors' worst performances. This is that <laughs> yeah. for the actors in the film. I don't know. I thought uh, Boss Nass gave a really good performance <laughs> as the leader of the Gungans. <laughs> No, I don't think so. Okay, well, he's been. <laughs> but I love is you're you're assuming you're implying that he's a real actor playing himself as the yeah. leader of the Gungans. Well, I haven't played him like Brian Denny. Or I don't something? Think... What the fuck? <laughs> I understand. Boss Nass hasn't made a lot of movies since I then. That, I thought Boss Nass got the Oscar for Marty. No, you know you're thinking of Ernest Borgnine. All right. Boss Nass won the Oscar for. <laughs> Rachel I don't know. getting married. Yeah, Ra- nobody won an Oscar for Rachel getting <laughs> oh, married. So, yeah, now the spirit. Uh, the, uh, what were you going to say? I don't know. Like, it was crazy. There was a... Uh, uh, obviously, it goes back to Frank Miller's love of Japanese shit. He lo- Well, that's the thing. You can see each of his obsessions smashing into each other in a terrible way. Japanese stuff, film noir, women's boobs and asses. Yep. Um, Check. Like, splatters of things on, in images. Mm-hmm. Uh, Venetian mono- blinds. Venetian blinds. Monochrom- well, that Check. falls under noir. Monochromatic Converse stuff. Converse All-Stars. Converse All-Stars, uh, which for some reason are, like, highlighted white on the soles the Check. entire Just movie. like if he was drawing. The only thing that's not in it is, like, uh, I guess, like, cyborg uh, technology weirdness. Like yeah, stuff where or, people have a lot of wires coming out of them. Of some kind. Well, or yeah, or, or wait a minute. well, but he Samuel Jackson was bald. Were, were, no, yeah. there were bald. Oh no, there were bald clones. Yeah, absolutely. It's they like were totally a Frank Millerism. But I, I can't imagine people walking into this movie off the street not being familiar with Frank Miller. Like maybe they know Sin City the movie, and walking into it and being like, and just what they would, what they believed was going on in this film, why they thought it was happening. You know. Yeah, like I would have gotten mad. <laughs> 
why they thought it was happening in the sense of why is this happening to me yeah i would have crunched up my box of goobers or whatever i had purchased (laughs) or my nachos and uh stormed out your box of nachos Yeah, that's what they sell right like a box of nachos (laughs) oh here okay nachos with like liquid cheese here's two points i'd like to make (laughs) one is that they're both things that are set up as if they're important but they're not ultimately or maybe they are there's a lot of talk where he's like the, the octopus is like, don't you want to find out who you are or what you are to the spirit? And the story, spirit's backstory is that he's a cop who's been killed and accident, and chemicals brought him back to life and now he just – he's the spirit and he fights crime. Yeah, he's invulnerable. And in the comic – like there seems to be no no question less relevant to the character of the spirit than like who are you? Like he's not fucking Wolverine. Self-reflection. He's just this guy who who goes around and, and fights crime. Like he's the least self-reflective hero in. He's not a guy who's gonna in, stand in the rain and hold his arms out and be shot from above, saying "No." Probably not. And the other thing was something that Stewart kept bringing up, which is that he talks a lot about like my city needs me. My city is my lover, and we never get an idea of what kind of city the city is, except it's a vaguely rundown New York. Yeah, in the fifties, in the forties, in the thirties type city, Chicagoish. Maybe there's a little bit of Newark in it. Like I don't. The city, the city is incredibly bland and generic. But he talks about it as if it's like between an ocean and a river. So it sounds <laughs> like it's Manhattan. But I mean, I I hate to like I hate to use like compared to say, like Dark Knight or something, or uh, or even Batman Begins. But those are both movies where they're like the the storyteller direct like clearly makes an effort. To show you the city, like show including you, like well, even the like geography Tim of the city. Batman too, like yeah, even, even that, or Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. Well, yeah, absolutely. Where the city is made up of sculptures with buildings on top of their fingers. <laughs> That's <laughs> what, my favorite thing in that movie is there's an observatory. There's a, a huge, probably three hundred foot tall statue of a human being reaching towards the stars, and there's an observatory building placed yeah. on his hands. Like, how do you get into the building? I don't understand. <laughs> you don't re- yeah, you don't realize yeah, you, that statue is completely solid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, you we, have to climb into the Baba Yaga's chicken leg house, and she flies you up there in her mortar and pestle. Yeah, <laughs> yep. but they, like, <laughs> like we got to take the elevator up to a cranium of the statue. Then we walk along the arms we, to get to the observatory. We climb out of his nose and then walk up the arms. Duh! Come on, where else are you going to build an observatory? <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, like those movies, they create a sense of place. Yeah, and this movie did none of that. No. Um, it created a sense of place, and that place is a soundstage somewhere in Hollywood. <laughs> somewhere in Robert Rodriguez's basement. <laughs> but it's like, and the movie opens with him talking about how like important his city is and like how much he loves it. And that's kind of like any time a movie begins or any kind of story begins, and they're like, this person is the most important person in the world. This guy is going to go defeat the Emperor in a couple of years because he's prophesied to be an awesome Jedi. Like that type of bullshit where when as soon as somebody tells you somebody's important, you don't care about them anymore. Yeah. You cease to give Well, because you, you want it to be proven to you. It's the same way that, like, we, we saw the, tra- the trailer for Crank 2 was on the DVD before this. Okay. And it shows a character tells a joke, and then it cuts to a shot from a different scene of a different character laughing. And my reaction to that is always like, fuck you, I don't need to know to laugh at your shitty joke. <laughs> like, I get it. It was supposed to be a joke. You don't need to cut to a character laughing to tell me it was. Like, like I'm supposed to laugh along with this guy? Yeah, exactly. It's the same way, like, if a character in the beginning of the movie is telling you, like, oh, this city means everything to me. It's like, well, you know, if you don't show me it does, then or, I don't care. Or it's not any gonna... time in, a, in any kind of a work of fiction, they try and show, like, a character who's, like, a painter, and they're like, this guy's such an amazing painter. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, eh, he's not that great. <laughs> 
Or like uh, that movie Lady in the Water where M. Night Shyamalan plays a writer who writes the most important <laughs> book in the universe. Plays the greatest writer in the world, yeah. Yeah, that type of bullshit. But it's it's just like the, uh, we never see the spirit, like it, I wish, that, I wanted there to be a scene where like the spirit like picks up a piece of litter and throws it in the garbage can and is like, not in my city. Or like, <laughs> does, or like caresses a building and be like, it was built in 1923. By such and such brothers, like that, he just shows some interaction with the city he lives in, right, or yeah. like well, some interest in it. One scene, I think, where there was interaction with the public, like one scene where he like saw like a kid on the street. And I there's two. It. He talks to a kid on the street, and there's one where he's hanging by his coat off of oh, right. a gargoyle, and the people on the street are like, "That guy looks like a jerk. What an idiot! Jump, <laughs> jump, jump!" It's like I thought you were the hero of the city. Like you can either be the hero of the city that everyone loves, or you can be the th- pathetic like. Spider-Man type hero that everyone hates even though he saves their lives. Like, can't be both of them. Yeah, yeah. and like, everybody's attitude doesn't change until his pants fall down around his ankles <laughs> and then these women immediately start like fucking creaming their jeans over it. <laughs> like, I don't know, but like a dude in his boxers, I don't think that's gonna get him hot. Especially when he's hanging for his, like, almost die. That might basically. not be the most accurate reading of that scene. <laughs> But it's also, that was a great scene because he's hanging from this, his overcoat, and his overcoat must be 50 feet long. Oh, yeah, it's huge. It's ridiculously, it's like he has Spawn's cape on his back, you know? Yeah. Ridiculous. You mean the hell Spawn, the character created by Todd McFarlane, Yes, of course, yeah. I can't remember the the character's real name. In that series, I don't remember. He's, no, he's talking about Spawn Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that was one of the few the few comics where uh, I re- I started I read it as a kid, and Spawn comes back to life after being dead, and he turns into human form, and he's a white guy in human form, and he's going, "I'm black." I'm a black guy. I'm not a white guy. And as a kid, being like, this is—I just remember being like, this is a strange thing to have the have the character have to go through that he was black <laughs> in his previous life and now he's a white guy. Like, and to me, it felt like something that could only be written by a white guy. Yeah, probably <laughs> something that like the only way you can really understand uh, race relations is through the <laughs> like the vision of a white comic book artist. Did you ever see uh, like? For the short period that like HBO had that cartoon version of Spawn, yeah, uh, like the intros with Todd McFarlane, yeah, where he was sitting in like Fia? a dark room. Yeah, <laughs> do you know Fia? He, like he was the greasiest, like douchiest guy you could imagine. I mean, pretty much how you might imagine. My character Spawn is the <laughs> yeah is a dark vision. Uh, it reminds me of the the old Rob Liefeld Levi's jeans commercial. Mm-hmm. What you never saw you that? Never saw Look that? it up no. on YouTube. Look up Liefeld and Lewis. Me more mad. He, it's him when he was doing X Force, and he's a thing about how I draw comics in my five hundred one jeans, and he draws a superhero version of the cameraman interviewing him, and it's a guy with a camera on his head and huge shoulder pads with enormous spikes coming out of them, and it's like, well, that's a Rob Liefeld character. <laughs> Where's this metal Add a arm? a bunch of really small, unnecessary lines all over everything, <laughs> and put some pouches on his yeah. on a belt around his thigh. Yep. Rob Layfield had this amazing ability when drawing car- uh, like male figures to always make their crotches look like it's just a bunch of lines <laughs> radiating from it. Like that is like the like the horizon point. Well, like it, that's where everything emanates from. It was, it, but he was basically just trying to fill the space between the enormous thighs of whatever character he was drawing, <laughs> which true. would dwindle down to their tiny calves and non-existent feet. Because mm-hmm. yeah. his was a world where mist, foot level mist, existed Skills. everywhere. So many skills and abilities. Um, so it, it was. It was sad to see. This was like. It was weird to see a movie like this where it was made, written, and directed by a man who has been in comic books since the eighties, sure. and seemed to have been. It was as generic and hacky a piece of work as could have come out of any 
movie producer who had never seen well, a comic wait, book. Wait, wait, except wait. that it was except that it was in Frank Miller's style and yeah, had his particular interests. But it's like, also it, it's simultaneously with that and like the most idiosyncratic <laughs> film you can but it's imagine. The, it's the thing like in terms of plot, it is the hackiest, most generic right. thing. But in terms of visuals, it could only have been Frank Miller, you know, yeah. with no supervision whatsoever. I mean, there are two shots in particular of just total weirdness that I enjoyed. One of a of a tiny head atop a foot, <laughs> just hopping around, and another one a shot of a, a porcelain a sink where a kitten had just been dissolved, and for some reason the eyes didn't dissolve, <laughs> and so two eyeballs are just slowly sliding <laughs> down the side. Those are two things that uh, you know I'm I'm glad I've seen now that I saw the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I think you're right. Like he's created a movie that only somebody who has this complete like no holds barred love of Frank Miller, like somebody who will love Frank Miller no matter what and, yeah. and his works. This is a movie that only somebody like that could really enjoy. Yeah. Or possibly an insane person <laughs> could could like this movie. Um it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, there were, I like crazy shit. I like but that's the thing. I like crazy movies that don't always make sense, but this just it was never fun. It was always it was always a chore to like just try to decipher it. I mean, if it was sold to you as an art film rather than a narrative film, maybe it wouldn't be so frustrating. Well, in the same way as I said, if I Know Who Killed Me had been in Italian instead <laughs> of English, people would have been like, oh, what a haunting film. <laughs> the plot, colors. I know the plot doesn't really make a lot of sense, but the way he splashes color in the frame and... And the glass knives. <laughs> glass knives and, and robot and hands. <laughs> You yeah. just don't see that in American cinema nowadays. And Crab Man playing a doctor. So good. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, this is, if it was sold to me as, like, a, a non-film fantasia on the images of Frank Miller, then, like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, yeah, if, but you still wouldn't want to watch it. You might want to, you know, you would go to a gallery where it was being projected on a wall. Yeah, yeah. And watch five minutes of it well, and I feel like they, when they yeah. used to do mu- music videos of songs in movies and they'd show, like, lots of little clips of the movie, and it always felt like they were doing the movie a disservice by just showing, like, little pieces of footage, this that would be the best way to see this movie yeah. is like a music video for like uh hopefully with a rock song that has the like words a, like the a, spirit like, in it yeah like i a don't smashing pumpkins song yeah exactly like the smashing pumpkins are playing a song with that's called like spirit of the time or something like that, sure, that and it's good. and you, but like they're rocking out on top of a building or something and then there's just clips of from this movie you'd be like oh i wonder who like, directed like this music video on the wall mm. of the building at times yeah or sometimes like that sometimes and, projected and in the be sky like a bit where you overhear him saying my city bleeds. Yeah, or exactly. Like, <laughs> or if it was like Evanescence, it would be like projected on the lead singer of Evanescence. Yeah, like on our bare midriff. Mm-hmm. I don't really know Evanescence that well. It's got a female singer. Just oh, okay. imagine, like, um, or if it was jo- uh, blue, uh, you know, uh, Blues Traveler. Just Im- <laughs> very similar. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine any really generic um, uh, rock band with a, a female singer that you that might be on the soundtrack to say Daredevil. Okay. Like, Sure. Oh, or, and the music, the music, ha- and the song has some part that goes like, like that's the intro. No, And then there's probably a spoken word in. That's when it goes, my city, you know, bleeds. I've got to save it, you know. I only ever love my city. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a really bad movie. Yeah, I know what else. Yeah. No, I feel like since we're sort of back from vacation in a way. Sure. We should ease into it and not force ourselves. Okay, we can move along. Say more stuff about something. If we don't but have we got to do the ratings, right? Yeah, we got to rate this film. We got to say. 
Ooh, is this a good bad movie? It's gonna be a big twist, I think. A bad bad movie. <laughs> twist ending to the podcast, or a movie that you kind of like, Stuart? Uh, I didn't like this movie at all. Although there were a lot of pretty girls in it, and mm-hmm. a decent shot of Ava Mendez's ass, but okay. not not worth the price of admission or the time spent. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> like the the movie frustrated me because I kept wanting it to make sense, and I wanted like one shot to relate to the shot that followed it mm-hmm. and uh stuff like that you know little stuff but um in terms of just moving along at a good clip it was okay and there were some visuals but overall like i just don't i don't find anything about it like laughable enough or compelling enough to give it more than a bad bad movie yeah i feel kind of the same way I like, and like there were there were a lot of shots in it that were very pretty or like neat, like kind of neat effects, but yeah, it's it was not fun to watch, and it was not fun to. It was hard to make fun of it because there was just not a lot there a lot of the time. Like as crazy as whatever was ha- like as crazy as scenes where Samuel Jackson is dressed up like a Nazi and he is talking to a guy strapped in a dentist chair, and then a belly dancer comes out with a huge sword. Like it just wasn't. It was it just done in a way that made it all very stale. You know? Yeah, and like, and on that, on that note, the one of uh, one of my problems with the movie is that at no point do you ever genuinely feel there's like that anybody's in trouble. Like nobody's ever in trouble. In this yeah, movie. well, because it's all it's all cartoons, and the characters are all whispering their lines, and it's shot, you know, like I don't know. There's no, there's, it's not done, shot or or done in a suspenseful way. Yeah, anyway, there's no yeah. suspense at, at all. Mm. None. So. And things that and things that would seem fun or quirky in another movie come off as like irritating almost in yes. this one. So, so we'll leave it in the toilet that the octopus smashed the spirit with, mm-hmm. and move on to movies that we actually like. Yay! The segment that we stuck for the sole purpose of proving that we're not just jerks. Enough of that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I think that our listeners um, like mouth music less than you might imagine. <laughs> I don't know. Only one way to find out. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little Bobby McFerrin writes in and is like, I love it. It's, finally, the Flop House <laughs> is getting get good. B. McFerrin, who's this? <laughs> Bobby M. At acapella.net. He probably's not involved with acapella.net. No, he's too big for that. (laughs) Yeah. He actually Uh, probably snapped up acapella.com. Yeah. So, yeah, what what movies do you recommend? Wait, am I recommending first? Why don't you go first? first. Oh, cheese and tomatoes. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's very Italian of you. I wasn't going to. I was originally going to. Uh, recommend a different movie than recommending now, but I figure because it's a comic book movie we were watching, I'll mm. stick with the theme. Sure. And I'll recommend a documentary that I saw recently uh, called Confessions of a Superhero, which I think is available through Netflix only, possibly. Um, and is about, uh, it was lent to me by my coworker, Wyatt Snack of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, who has a Luke, who has a Luke Cage story out in a Marvel comic out now wow uh he lent me this movie about and it's a it follows three of the people who dress up like superheroes at, on hollywood boulevard outside of man's chinese theater oh, yeah. 
and take pictures. Or I guess four people. I it takes, read about this. Yeah, it takes pictures with tourists in exchange for tip money. And it's one of these movies that, like, it starts off and it's like, isn't these characters, aren't these people nuts? But then it wants you to see kind of the inner nobility about them that they're just trying to make mm-hmm. their dreams come true. Uh, but it's still dancing around to the fact that these people are much crazier than the movie kind of wants to admit. Uh, but it was, the people in it are pretty interesting and it was well done and, you know, it was entertaining. The only thing that's bad about it is that it's like Morgan Spurlock presents Confessions of a Superhero. So there's like a five minute like bit when it starts of Morgan Spurlock in a Superman costume, like, or superhero costume, walking out of a phone booth and being like, we all want to be superheroes. Here's what I like a lot about this movie. I'm Morgan Spurlock of Super Size Man. Yeah, and I fast-forwarded through that because I don't really care what he has to say about the film. Is the, is the movie narrated by Werner Herzog? No, there's actually no narration. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> Where they see heroes <laughs> and fantasy, I see nothing but death and despair. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my Werner Herzog was more of an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression just then. <laughs> <laughs> a very cerebral Schwarzenegger. <laughs> but... Uh, but I, I actually enjoyed it a lot, and I thought it was very good. Um, and I'll never think about weirdos dressed up in costumes the same way again. Speaking of Terminator, I watched uh, Terminator <laughs> again. You know, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. Sure. I watched Terminator again. Um, I didn't remember that it had so many lasers in it. Really? Uh, in, like the future In bits? the flashbacks, There's yeah. There's a yeah. shitload or the of lasers in that movie. Yep. It's crazy. <laughs> Okay, that's that's, that's a movie that always. Oh, I thought re- I was going to seg into a rec- recommendation. Segway. No, no, there's just a ton of lasers in it. That's Weird. a movie that always surprises me with the fact that there's a nude scene in it. Yeah, I remember. I kind when, of never remember until the I'm watching the movie. When I uh, well, because you only also because you only remember the later more angular Linda Linda Hamilton. <laughs> the best thing about that nude scene is that when I was a kid and watching it, I remember watching that nude scene with like a friend of mine, and we were like sitting around giggling because we thought it was hilarious. And uh, my mom got really mad at, mad at us and made us turn off the movie. And it wasn't because we were watching How a movie. How dare you laugh at the beautiful act of lovemaking? Well, that, that's the thing. Right. It, it wasn't that we were watching a nude scene or that, we were laugh, or that we were laughing at, like, you know, like the act of sex. But she, like, tried to justify it like, you know, they love each other. They're, like, <laughs> they're making a better future. And after, like, at the time, I was like, yeah, mom, stop being mad at me. But, like, no, that was a pretty hilarious way to justify her being mad at, <laughs> mad at us for yeah. laughing at the movie. Their love saved the future. That's true. It, it, it did. I'd have sex with Michael Bean to save the future. Sure. So if you're listening, Michael <laughs> Bean, <laughs> and you have a rational reason to <laughs> you just have to, you just have to show up and basically tell Stuart that it's to save the future. Yeah. Uh, I'd come with you if. Oh man, I'm trying. Uh, I can't make a joke. Okay. So, um, my recommendation. Um, I think I'm going to recommend a movie that I don't think I've recommended before. <laughs> Uh, but I, I might have mentioned it's a, a Stuart Gordon movie, uh, director of Reanimator, Stuck, uh, Castle Freak, um, From Beyond, these. yeah, From Beyond, absolutely, and it's a movie called King of the Ants. Uh, it's a movie um, that's a little different than some of his other movies because there's uh, no monsters in it. Um, Wait, there's no like Ant King? No, there's no Ant King in it. Uh, what Kari about like Wurz in it though, and she's in a lot of monster movies. What about like a mutant ant? And she's naked in it. Kari Wurr's naked. Okay, but um, that's every Kari Wurr film. Basically, the uh, no. Yeah, basically the premise. It's a thriller where you have uh, kind of a down on his luck guy who's, you know, barely making ends meet, and he ends up um, taking a job to kill somebody, 
Um, and the person just happens to be uh, Ron Livingston from Office Space, so that's funny. Um, and he ends up, you know, accepting this job and going through with it and having to kind of like live with the guilt and having to live with the fact that the guys who hired, to, uh, hired him to kill this guy kind of want him out of the picture at the same time. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It doesn't end 100% great, but uh, I think there's definitely some really good stuff in there. So, King mm-hmm. of the Ants. Okay. Well, I haven't seen a lot because uh, I was in Costa Rica. Um, and then We get it. All right. But I did, You're on a tropical vacation. I did uh, watch the movie Appaloosa actually in Costa Rica on my iPod. And, the way uh, it was meant to be seen. Exactly. <laughs> the sweeping western vistas. I met the HBO first look making of. Like, the director tried something new with Appaloosa <laughs> to film a movie for iPod screens in other countries. Uh, no, I watched... With Appaloosa, I'm really trying to take the Western and bring that, it to a new place. That's not what Ed Harris sounds like. <laughs> well, I, that's what he does, sounds like when he's off screen. I see. Actually, I, 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 oh, so, I watched... Sorry, my Ed Harris impression. Uh, when I was making Appaloosa, <laughs> oh, I decided, but... Apples and pears. <laughs> I, uh, I watched half of it literally in a hammock, so... The way it was meant to be seen. <laughs> I recommend that for anyone who, who wants a good way of watching a, a movie. Your recommendation in general is or Appaloosa in so, particular. So your recommendation is hammocks. <laughs> Go on down to the hammock district and get yourself a hammock. I get that's, that's I want to I want to do that sometime. That you guys both recommend movies, and I'm like, mm, well, Coca Cola is a great soda. I just really enjoy their product. <laughs> now you're ruining the joke when you later on try and do that. Yeah. Oh man. When I forget to do <laughs> so it. So what later about on. Appaloosa? Did you like or not like? Well. You know, at the time when it was uh, when it was being uh, reviewed, when it was in theaters, like everyone was sort of like, "Well, this movie's fine, but it doesn't break any new ground." And then I, I watched the movie. and I'm like, "Oh, this is great! This movie doesn't break any new ground. <laughs> like, it just seems like a classic western, you know." And and Ed Harris and Viggo uh, Mortensen are are both great, like western uh, style actors. Like the like, it's good that they're getting a chance to do. A movie like that, and it's got a lot of... Uh, Jeremy Irons is good in it, too. Yeah, Jeremy Irons is in it. Timothy Spall is in it. Renee yeah. Zellweger. Uh, yeah, she's the one weak link, but uh, Lance Henriksen is in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, that guy who was the the coach in Major League is in it. The I don't guy remember. with like, that like really like weird voice. Let's just say Dennis Farina. Okay. <laughs> Let's claim. <laughs> it's not him, but sure. But, uh, the guy with yeah. a really weird voice, Peter Lorre? <laughs> exactly. It was Peter Lorre. Uh, Peter Lorre's corpse. So I just liked it because it was a nice basic uh, western. Sounds very nice. Hmm. Yeah, there's kind of there, there was a time when you could make hammocks. You could <laughs> when you could. There was about a like a thirty year period when you could just make westerns. Actually, more than that, I guess if you count silent silent movies, like you could just make westerns that didn't have anything special about them. Mm-hmm. But now it's too bad that every time they they make a western, they feel like there has to be like a gimmick in it, you know. Been there, done that. Yeah, honk shoe. <laughs> oh no, we got the dreaded honk shoe. <laughs> yep. It's not like it's uh, like romantic comedies. I think are the same way, probably. Like, yeah, they don't make too many romantic comedies that are just like funny movies about two people falling in love they have to have like a gimmick or a or a thing or a like pull like Matthew or... McConaughey is visited by ghosts that tell him about what? what's that's, wrong with him that's something that I've only seen the posters and a little bit of the commercials for that movie Ghosts of Girlfriends Cast and it's like every time I see it and I go in this movie does Matthew McConaughey play a serial killer <laughs> yeah like he's being haunted by the girlfriends he murdered 
Because I don't know how no you would get ghosts. No matter how likable Matthew McConaughey is, I don't think he could uh, act his way out of that uh, <laughs> that predicament. I also think it's funny that it's basically... It it's seems, like a romantic comedy version of Kiss the Girls or something. <laughs> 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 that I imagine it's the same, it's the same story as... Uh, this one episode of the uh, softcore porn show Erotic Confessions, <laughs> in which a man is visited by the sp- on Christmas by the spirits of girlfriends he is broken up with, so that they can help him for repair his relationship with his wife, and that involves him having sex with all of them. Sounds like a good movie. <laughs> well, it's a TV show, and it was terrible. <laughs> so wait, that's what this that's what this movie is about. <laughs> I assume this movie is about his past girlfriends coming back to help him become a better boyfriend. So he doesn't have sex with them. Uh, that I don't know. It's How weird. do you have sex with a ghost? It's like the dream <laughs> sequence in Ghostbusters, you know? The ghost does all the work. It's funny that... Yeah, I guess. It's funny that by... I never quite bought that scene. <laughs> well, it's a dream sequence. Also, yeah. it's, it's, it's a deleted scene from a cut uh, segment where they go to the Museum of Natural History and uh, a ghost from the Museum of Natural History is involved in it. Uh, but they're like, we're cutting this, but we got to use this footage somewhere. Mm, I didn't so know that. That's, that's oh, the story man. about Did, the ghost blowjob and Ghostbusters. Let me tell you, was the ghost? Was the Museum of Natural History per- portrayed realistically in I that, d- I, or is I it like know. Night in the Museum, where it's they don't even? It's like they never even been gonna, to the Museum I'm of Natural gonna, History. Grind this axe again. I'm just very mad about it. I, the, I'm, I'm not looking so, forward to uh, Night in the Museum too. I assume Night in the Museum too will be at the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art, job. and it'll be like the Mona Lisa being there and stuff. <laughs> a go job. Yeah, well, uh, a GBJ. It's almost as good as a force job. That's when your girlfriend's a Jedi. She could be doing it from across the room, like if you're at a party or something. Uh, and no like one Mara knows. Jade? Exactly. If you're dating Mara Jade, then you are in luck. Yeah, that'd be kind of weird. I didn't know they had that much control. <laughs> it depends on how much how much like, training they've had. I mean, Yoda, like, if they're not, like, a youngling couldn't do that. I mean, <laughs> no. probably wouldn't want that to happen. That would be disgusting if it was a youngling, yeah. That yeah. was, and that's... A, you, like, is that is that illegal in Imperial or Republic society for, <laughs> like, for to, if you're a Jedi to use your abilities to jack somebody off? I don't know. That's a good question. So if that's what we thought about the spirit. <laughs> For the flop house, I'm Dan. McCoy. We haven't even we haven't we barely cracked the surface of the Star Wars sex no, pantheon. No. Uh, I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> I'm Elliot Kalen, I guess. Good night. Yeah, like, is that illegal? Can you be like, hey, this dude used the force on my wiener, and you're like. <laughs> My city screams after watching the spirit. <laughs> hey! <Yeah! laughs> boop, boop. My city's made out of CGI. My city has a first name. Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. I just world. downloaded that on Rock Band. It's totally fun to see. <laughs>